Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. In this special extra edition, I'm delighted to be joined by South African cricket writer and broadcaster Ben Karpinski. Hello Ben and thank you for joining me. Hey David, great to be here. Um, we're going to chat about the uh, Tri-Series that's, that's coming up in the Caribbean. Uh, I'm sure you, like me, are absolutely on the edge of your seat about this most exciting and important... Um, uh, well, it's not even a bilateral series, is it? A trilateral series. Um, you know, I, I can barely contain myself uh, with the importance of this event, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you share that excitement with me. Well, I, I boycotted the IPL purely from overexposure because <laughs> I, I went through that whole World T20 and I got really into it. I didn't do a lot of T20 normally, yeah. but I was writing and I was covering the games. And I thought if I watch so much as an over of IPL and I hear <laughs> Shastri shouting, I might actually burn out. So I'm, I'm, I'm refreshed. I'm recouped. I'm, I'm ready for the series. I really am. Oh, perhaps, perhaps that's the, the reason why, um, if you could you know, see through my cynicism just then, uh, why I'm feeling a little jaded <laughs> myself. Yes, it's nice to get into a longer format, 50 overs, but I've been watching the IPL throughout, and um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, but I also feel as though I've just been through uh, the cricket equivalent of Super Size Me. Well, you would do, because everything has been amplified to be amazing. This is why I can't watch too much T20. It's because at no stage are they just playing. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be a maximum. It's got to be everything basically on, on drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other day I, I saw Test Cricket on the, on the screen. Okay, it was England-Sri Lanka, so I don't really care about the match. Which yeah. turned out to be completely shite. But it was just so strange. And then at the same time, you could actually change the channel and go to IPL. Yeah. It was like... I don't know, it was like watching a gangbang to watching a first date. It was such a contrast. It was, it was amazing. I was, I, I'm watching the IPL, um, as I say, I've enjoyed it, but watching it for a professional basis. And uh, the, through another medium, I was watching uh, Sky Sports, um, watching England uh, thrashing Sri Lanka in the Test match. And it was interesting where my, my own concentration was going uh, and, and wasn't always perhaps doing uh, my work, but rather than my, my enjoyment. There was a great quote by Mel Fowler, I think it was on Crick Info or somewhere recently, uh, where she said um, she was, it was, it doesn't matter, uh, great quote by Mel Fowler, she said uh, she was so looking forward to getting back to watching Test Match Cricket after being IPL'd out and she, she was just longing to see uh, an Alistair Cook leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so it's it's. But anyway, the 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 the, the tri series, Ben. Um, obviously, I've got you here to give us really the uh, South African uh, perspective. Um, I'm belittling the tournament a little, but it's still international cricket between um, some some very good sides. Um, well, two very good sides, and the side that I still hope passionately is uh, on the road to recovery. Um, South Africa, they're going through a bit of a transitional phase. Uh, is this a tournament they go into hoping, expecting to win? Yeah, look, I think I completely also share your cynicism for these kind of things. It's like you want to be excited, but on the back of the last two, three months, you've got to think, what are the, are the players that are really excited? Like, mm. I, I took my own little hiatus, and I, and I just want to see good cricket again. Mm. But these guys, they must be so jaded, and going to Barbados and Caribbean all around there, they must think, oh, this is exactly where I need to be right now, but not doing this. I've had enough of cricket. Mm. So 
I would love to say that this is this is a very very important series for South Africa because they got walloped in a Test series by England. Okay, now that is one of the most embarrassing things that can happen to you as a South African in South Africa. It really is right up there. I mean, yeah. it, it, the, there was soul searching from all of us here uh, in South Africa, and then another world, another ICC trophy uh, failure. So mm-hmm. you've always got to look on the back of those things and go, okay, well, what is the next best possible? When is the next time we can actually get back on the rails here? So it is the series, so it it is massively important. Mm. But then you look at the squad, and you, it's still got the same coach, who I think is shy. He's yeah. he, he's one of those guys that smiles a bit too much. And I mean, I'm quite a jovial guy when you get to know me. But when when someone is position like that, and he's always smiling, he either <laughs> has no idea what he's doing, or he's hugely nervous. Yeah. And Russell Russell Domingo, I think, is a mixture of both. So. It is exciting. I personally, my hopes aren't particularly high that we can beat the beat the Aussies. I mean, the Woodies got their own troubles in that who they can play, who can't play. So, yeah. I think it will be between us and the Aussies. Yeah. yeah, it's not too excited that it's going to be the one where we can really capitalise on on where we are. Yeah, yeah. It, I think I think you're right, and there is going to be a hangover from from the IPL and uh, too much cricket. Uh, there's guys that. Uh, are injured for this series, as you alluded to. Um, there's some selections that, that, that reflect how much cricket people have been playing. One, for example, that I found very odd, Dale Stane's been rested uh, for this tournament, and instead he's heading off to Glamorgan. Well, you know, it's, it's funny the Proteas want to rest him because the Gujarat Lions have just rested him for two months, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah. So with him, it was about nursing his injury, and um, he's had a bit of a torrid time the last year. So under Proteas management, they really want him back and firing for the rest of the Test matches this year. So um, I don't think it was ever the plan to play him with this one, and it was also a time to kind of you know bring Morning Morkel back. He missed the World T20, and uh, I, I think there's enough bowlers. I'm not too worried about that. I'm, I'm more worried about if Dale Stane's ever going to come back and be the guy he is. Yeah. Yeah. But are players like De Villiers, um, to a lesser extent, Amler, but certainly De Kopp, Dumini, Morkel himself, Chris Morris, a lot of these guys have just played quite a bit of IPL cricket. You know, how much have they got left in the tank? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a question that everyone asks when you look at this team. I think with someone like Dukok, he's still like 15 years old, so it's not going to be a big difference to him. But with, with, with Amla, he's got um, superhero powers of concentration, so you can literally put him anywhere. I think he'll grind out 100. Yeah. Guys like Morris and uh, De Villiers are the big worries, though. I mean, firstly, AB might get actually murdered if he wins the, the, the game again for the, the Royal Challengers. Mm. I mean, he almost, he almost got decapitated last time around. So if he does that in the final, we might not actually have him in this world anymore whereas Chris Chris Morris um, we'll just get, him, we'll get back to AB in a bit but Chris Morris there's a guy who's a lot expected of him because ever since Jacques Cullis decided that he'll take his hairstyle to you know T20 cricket and retire from international cricket there, has, there hasn't been an all-rounder in this team and uh, there's just so much what we'd like to do in South Africa is hero worship and put everything on one guy that's exactly why AB is probably going to burn out in about two years. Mm. So Morris, Morris is that next guy. So he has to fire with bat and ball, and he has to be in this team to create a balance. You know, if he plays and he fires, then we can play legit six top line batsmen, which is really cool. But uh, it's huge expectation on him. Uh, again, he's young. He's like mid twenties, twenty six, I think he is. So it's a real pivotal series for a guy like that, uh, and a massive test on his resolve. Mm. 
There's, um, I mean, you were talking about Russell Domingo there. I mean, if if he hasn't got so long left for the future, where where would they turn next? I mean, I I asked because uh, I, I I speak to somebody who's been covering the IPL, uh, and I was covering quite closely both Gujarat Lions and Delhi Daredevils. I basically wrote an article the other day calling for Paddy Upton's head and to be sacked from the uh, Delhi Daredevils. <laughs> well, I think if we were to look at Domingo, he is. Um... He was the, the, whoever followed Gary Kirsten was always going to fail, okay? Because Gary had a great mix, and of course, being an ex-player, had a lot of respect, and I think he was just a damn good coach. On top of that, Domingo was never going to be either one of those things. Mm. But I just don't think he's he's, he's helping anything. Um, look, there's a lot of factors at play in SA cricket. I don't think he is good for any of them. So <laughs> if he was to go, um, let's just say the Proteas don't fare so well in this series. It's. It, I think his position will become a little hard to justify. And if it's up to that, then a guy like Jeffrey Toyana, I think um, he's done quite well domestically. Hmm. There's a very good chance that he is next in line. But uh, it's difficult to have, kind of have that conversation now. I, I think the Proteas hmm. need to fail one more time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> Well, from a West Indian point of view, I hope it's on this occasion. Uh, I hope they, <laughs> they lose every match to the West Indies and, and, and get hammered uh, soundly. Um the series is going to start in Guyana. Um, do you think the South have the South Africans done their homework on what these different pitches are going to offer? Do you think? I think if you look at the records over the last while, South Africa's a pretty durable team and they do quite well overseas, mostly because there's so much pressure on them here. I mean, the whole choking thing and they have to win yeah. everything. Whereas they go overseas and they they definitely do a bit more leeway, that they enjoy themselves a bit more. I mean, if you look at the West Indian series that they played before, this was the first one post-isolation where they got to play test matches and stuff. Yeah. I think they got a pretty good record. So I think condition-wise we'll do well. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I keep saying we. I'm a serious no, absolutely. My team, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think they'll do quite well. And now there's a whole different element in the South African team is that they've finally not only understood that they must pick spinners, is that they actually have spinners too. So I mean, you would know more than me, but I mean, the conditions will be more conducive to spinning. They'll be a bit lower and slower than uh, the, the fast tracks at home and, of course, the, the batting roads in India. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually quite... Uh, I, if there was a series right now to be taken anywhere outside of SA, I'd, I'd say West Indies is the best place for them to go right now. Interesting. The uh, I, I, I'm guessing by looking at their squad, they've done their homework. Uh, the series starts in uh, in Guyana, and um, you, you mentioned that uh, guys when they're in the West Indies are going to wonder what they're doing. They're playing cricket. I can guarantee you they won't think that when they're in Guyana. Um, oh, okay. They will want to be playing cricket. When they move on to St Kitts and Barbados, I think their heads will get turned in different directions. But in Guyana, focus on the cricket. Uh, okay. Spinning track. Spinning track in Guyana. And I would be surprised if they don't go into those games with at least two spin bowlers. And they've got some young and interesting ones. Well, yeah, that, that World T20, I think, just showed that they finally picked two spinners and they finally looked like they were a decent team. They're, their spinners are quite long in the tooth. When you look at Pangiso, he's 30s. Uh, Tahir, well, Tahir's from Pakistan, so I'm not sure you can really they know, to trust his age when you look at Shahid Afridi and his history. But they're, they're both kind of more your, your older players. Uh, the guy that everyone is kind of talking about is this Tabriaz Shamsi. Now, he's, uh, yeah. well, he's younger. He's obviously younger. He's got some uh, experience in the Caribbean Premier League. And he's a, he's a left-arm wrist spinner, which does bring something very different to the team. We've we, we got Pangisa, who's your left-arm orthodox, and he'll be nice and tight, so you know his 10 can be quite reliable. Hmm. You've got Tahir, who's the, the right-arm leg spinner. 
I, it's, I would love to see this guy get some game time, but I think um, it'll. one of the guys have to get injured for him to come through. Right. Uh, I, I just see that if they're going to pick two spinners, it's always going to be Pakiso and uh, to here. Yeah, yeah. Um, seam bowling-wise, uh, Parnell's come back. Uh, he's a player I saw a few years ago in England when he was with uh, with Kent, I think it was at the time, and I was very impressed with him as a, a young man. And sorry to see him sort of like disappear for a while, as it were. Uh, he's impressed me. But the one that everybody in the world seems most excited about, of course, is Kagiso Rabada. Um, are we right to be so excited by him? Absolutely, one thousand percent. Kafisa Rabada is is a special player, right. and uh, the first thing you think of is that we just hope he gets properly managed. Yeah. If you look at Wayne Parnell, there, there was talent there, and um, we, we, every team wants a bit of a left arm tearaway bowler. Mm. But he was managed so poorly, and that he was always in the fringe. So he'd be taken on tours. He never got a lot of game time, and then suddenly it was like, okay, we're in the World Cup. How about you go bowl ten overs of the best batsman in the world? <laughs> and then suddenly he, he goes he goes for sixty or seventy runs. Everyone's calling him terrible but the guy never had a chance to build up momentum build up something so he's back in the team now i think completely on merit he's done pretty well domestically and this could be the time now where you see the real parnell onto rabada he um he is just so good he will play all the games so his management is going to be very different uh, the only condition there is like, will he burn out? Well, mm. he's young, he's sound, uh, f- um, functionally, he's got a good action, he's very athletic, and he hasn't played uh, T20. So I, I think he's, he's very much the, the main go-to guy here. And uh, he'll be leading the attack again, yeah. just like he was against England. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I share that hope that he's... Uh fulfills those expectations and really is something special. Um, Chris Morris is somebody who's bowled very well, as well as batted well when he was allowed to, in the uh, IPL. And he seems to have a little bit of extra pace than what I've seen before. Is he capable of keeping that up for 10 overs, though? Yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to, to say. Uh, if the pitches are obviously a little bit slower than a little bit of variety, hopefully you can come into it too. But yeah, Morris, he's got quite an awkward action. He, he definitely runs up like like Gout has taken most of his, his lower body. Mm. But he then when he releases, he's he's got some decent wheels on him. So again, it's just it's a workload thing. And then you know, I, I think he, he's learned quite a lot from the IPL now. He definitely looks a much better, more complete bowler. But he can get to the mid-140s, whether it's for 10 overs I mean, I don't know, anyone that can really bowl like that for 10 overs nowadays. <laughs> I think that's a fair comment. I think that's very true. Of uh, It's something I feel passionately about with uh, the West Indies, where there's been a lot of criticism about the players that have been left out of the side, um, particularly Dwayne Bravo, for example. And I think Dwayne Bravo was, seven or eight years ago, a very fine cricketer at the longer formats. But he's played so much 2020 cricket now... I'm not convinced the guy could bowl 10 overs. I'm not convinced that 10 overs of slower balls would actually be much good anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a very good point you make, because if you've, you've been pushing everything in the last three months of your life into these four-over spells, right? Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to go out there now and bowl 10, but you've, yeah. got to, you've kind of got to bowl with the same intensity. It's going to be very difficult to see how many of these guys can really push it through. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the way the, the game's going. I think perhaps 50 over cricket is being neglected, but it's almost like a middle stepping ground between the two. I know 50 over cricket is played much closer to being um, 2020 in its style. People are, you know, six and over is now the, the, the mark that people are, are heading towards. Yeah. 
But I just, I cannot see that there's not going to be much more specialisation and players that can play in all three formats, like the Villiers, are going to be rarities. And then when they do, as you said, they're going to burn out. Well, especially with the bowlers, I think to be a bowler and do all three formats, I mean, that's just virtually impossible, really, especially if you're a seamer. De Villiers, you said said, I hope for a couple more years, it was only six months ago with the England series that there was rumours flying around that he was thinking of uh, packing in the longer formats now. Um, Is there still that concern? Uh, You know, like the thing about Avi is that he's such a... He's a through and through proper true blue South African guy. That he, you know, he loves Jesus and he'll give his best for everyone. He puts everyone else first, and he's just one of those kind of guys. But if you just if you just look at what KP's done the last few years, if if I had to be them, okay, now obviously I'm I'm not like AB. I, I think about myself a lot. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not the same caliber of person. But I would <laughs> say, you know what? Screw this international cricket. It's all good and well. But I've been there, done that. I've dealt with the pressure. I've dealt uh, I've dealt with the press and all, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to make some money and I want to travel and I want to spend time with my family. How do I do that? I become a T20ist. Mm-hmm. So to think that AB now has to go. Oh, I've got to play a Test series against Sri Lanka. And then I've got to go do this, and then I've got you know, bollocks. It, it must be so difficult to motivate yourself when, firstly, you've made lots of money, right? You've mm. already done everything in cricket essentially because South Africa aren't going to win a World Cup. I think everyone can let that go now. So, what is still going to make him want to do all these formats and things? I would say, I mean, the, the guy is just maybe a little bit too selfless. Mm. How does how do the smaller nations, and, and I'm going to include South Africa within that, like the West Indies? Uh, South Africa, New Zealand, Sri Lanka. Um, it's 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 easier for the Australians and the English to keep their international players on board and not burn them out um, because they can pay them much more in their retainer contracts and things like that. How can international cricket keep the South Africans, the West Indians, well, take the West Indians back to strength, but how can they keep them strong and so that it doesn't just, by pure financial might, just become England, Australia and India? Yeah, that is the impossible question of cricket right now because if you look at the West Indies as a great example here, they've got massive momentum uh, globally on winning the World T20, right? But now you're going to go into ODI series and uh, it's they haven't got all the best players there, so they're going to get a hammering again probably. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, okay, into Test Match cricket, well, again, we haven't got the players. To keep them there ugh, without just looking at money, I, I don't think there's a solution. I really don't. It, like, there's no... There's no centre for the players. If you were to really think of it, um, you know, take for instance, if you were an accountant mm. and and you had to basically balance the books three times a year for the Emirati, and you lived in Dubai for two two months, or you could basically do the books for everyone in your village all day, every day. <laughs> now, what, what would you do? Yeah, it's just you know you'd be doing a community service and you make sure everyone's tax compliance and everyone'd be happy. But that's crap. I mean, nobody wants to do that. No, it's it, it's understandable, and that's a good way of putting it. Community service. Um, us fans, we really, really want to see the, the best players, whoever they are. And I'm I'm not sure the guys that are missing from the West Indies side are the best players. But put that to one side. We want to see them all available to play, representing their country, or in this case, their region. But it's and I would do exactly the same. I would put as much money into my pockets during my career to pay for my children's education, uh, cushion for the future, all of those things. And yet we want these guys to be representative. 
I don't know whether there's, you know, the ICC can make it a central pool of money to strengthen cricket. I, I suspect they actually do want to see what is happening and see the other nations pillaged of their, their players and that we are left with international cricket, test cricket certainly, really only being played by those big three. Yeah, yeah David, I've been thinking about this for, for a while now. Like all year I just keep thinking about test match cricket and how it's going to survive in a proper sense. And, and the more I read, the more you research, and you think it, it has to, the only way is if, the, as you say, the ICC gets together the whole bunch of central money yeah. and, ha, and has them bound to the fact that if they do this, they will be assured of X. Yeah. And that is the only way I can see it. But then you think, like, you know, do they care enough? Do, do, they, do they want that enough? Is it too much trouble for them? No. Or, even like, or even do they have the power? No, I, I, I agree, and I, and I, I fear they, they, they don't care as long as the, the TV advertising money's coming in for IPL, Big Bash, uh, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it'd be kind of horrible if it gets to the stage where you've got the Ashes, that'll always remain, you've got the Ashes, then you've got India, and then what if you have, like, rest of world composite sites? Remember how, remember how scary that would be? Oh, dear, don't, don't. I, I, I increasingly feel uncomfortable. I'm a great historian of cricket. My, my, my passion is to read stuff. From, from the past and if anything further back into cricket history uh, uh, the better I, I confess within the last 5-10 years I've increasingly stepped back into those books to, to hide my head under the bedclothes as it were from uh, uh, from contemporary uh, modern yeah. cricket yeah can you imagine that you get a team and it's all played under lights and it's uh, <laughs> uh... the thing is the thing is though Ben for youngsters now, but when I and I call myself, yeah, guy in my late forties, uh, I call myself an old fart. Happily, I'd happily wear that badge. But for somebody who's twenty two, twenty three now, or even sixteen, learning their cricket, I I know that thirty years from now they're going to be looking back at now as they were the good old days. <laughs> we are now living in the good old days of cricket, and they say, "Oh, can you remember when?" And you think, "Oh God," and that just makes me worry. What on earth does the future hold? Yeah, well, we can take it. You know, it's all about evolving. Um, Dennis, our good Australian friend, was telling mm. me that you know the, the future of cricket can only go one way. And to see someone like the, the Proteus saying, "We don't want to play cricket under lights because we don't know how to play yet." Yeah, he says that that's the daftest thing you can possibly come against because you got to take every bit of innovation you can, every opportunity, and just without thinking, go with it now. Mm, mm. Yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. This is scary, scary current state then. Yeah, no, it it it, it is a worry. Um, but I I I wonder that there isn't perhaps a lack of reality going on because we do talk about the past as being oh when there wasn't the the problems and when yeah we had good attendances and things. Well, no, we didn't. If you look at old footage of England in the eighties and and nineties and seventies, um, things weren't well attended. 2020 has come along and been a panacea, but that will ebb away. In the 1960s, uh, one day cricket first came along, Gillette Cup in, the, in in England. It was packed out, absolutely jammed to the rafters, and it fell away in interest. And by the end of the 60s, they brought in Sunday afternoon John Player League cricket. And those games were packed to the rafters for years. And 20, 25 years later, the whole thing was stopped because people had got bored with it. Um, I don't see... The um the the IPL is is a South Sea bubble. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I think it's 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 very contrived, and even even for Bollywood standards, it's quite contrived. Mm. 
I think we've probably gone off message here a little bit with this, but I'm enjoying this chat nonetheless. Um, your your perspectives, Ben, uh, in our last five, six minutes or so on uh, on Australia. Uh, are they genuinely the number one team in the world? Uh, see, as a South African, my first answer is no, and then I just try to <laughs> talk around it. But yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Breaks my nuts to say it. If you look at their players, and if you look at the fact that Mitchell Stark is now back, and if he yeah. is fit and if he is going, he is something special in limited over cricket because he bowls Yorkers, and he's fast, and he's a bit of a dick, so he's not going to be compromised for anything. <laughs> so I think, you know, you've you got players like that, you, you've got a, you got a winning team. Uh, Steve Smith's always going to be brilliant. You've mm-hmm. got a guy like Maxwell, and the, and the Aussies were, they were so smart about this IPL. They got their, they signed the autograph, they got the profile, they got the retweets, and then just when they thought, okay, this is going to start getting tedious, they all got injured. <laughs> they'll, they'll all be miraculously fit as fiddles come, come the West Indies. So I think, you know, you got to hand it to these guys. They know what they're doing. No, I, I, can't, I totally agree with you. They always seem to me to be so so professional, so organised when it, when it comes to sport. Um, the rest of us could, yeah. it, it's it's a joy when they do, you know, fall on their face or their arse occasionally. Um, but it's 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 rare and few and far between. I think that the only thing there is um, it's the same with the World T20. It's that you've got to ask questions around their spinning prowess. So mm-hmm. as I said, as I gushed about how fantastic the SA spinners are, you know, we've got three now. <laughs> Three, uh, if you know, is it going to is it going to be enough? They're, they've got that uh, the young Zampa guy. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know what's outside of that. I don't think they're going to have the same sense of humour failure. Well, sorry, I don't think they're going to have the same sense of humour about picking, picking Ashton Agar again. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't I, know, I but he's, he's baby faced enough. He'll come back again and again and again. Like I don't even think the Aussies uh, find that joke funny anymore because it's <laughs> just ridiculous. So yeah, I, I think the only frailty will be uh, spin, spin depth, uh, and how they rotate outside of their strike brothers. Yeah. Is there anybody that, uh, from your vantage point within the West Indies side, uh, that uh, you would fear or you admire or players to watch? Yeah, I've been looking at that squad, and you know, the first thing you think of is, is you try reference from the World T Twenty team. Uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, I, I just think that Nareen. We know we haven't seen a lot of him in the last few years because obviously his action wasn't legal. Yeah. I know. I know he has been back in in the IPL. I haven't seen too much of him. So how he'll fare over a 10, 10 over spell? It's uh, that's going to be fascinating for me. Mm. He. I, I was asked the other day: Is is he a pelter? Is he a, a as we say in the Caribbean? Is he a chucker? And uh, he's not anymore. I've, I've, what I've seen of him in the IPL, he's been very straight and his arm has moved a lot slower and his wrist has too. Uh, his, his action has been more classical, if I can put it that way. He, he, he's not entirely a different bowler, but he is different. And I've, I've had no problems with the action I've seen, but I do wonder how much of his uh, penetration has, uh, has gone. Okay, well, if he rips a deucer from leg to first slip in the first match, I'm going to be on you on Twitter and say, yeah, same bowl of my ass. And, 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 I, and I will tell you that it's the guy on the pitch, which I did warn you about, is, is, a, is a raging Bunsen for the, for the region. St Kitts is going to be, uh, yeah, should be quicker, smaller ground, should be runs, Barbados too. Um, just, just finally, I, t- I talked about uh, A.B. de Villiers and so on. What's the future for South Africa? If he goes, when he goes, Ashimamla's not getting any younger. Um, others do many. Uh, is is there the the batting power for the future in all formats for South Africa? Uh, 
David, this is not a, this is not a short answer. Uh, the future for South Africa is politically engineered as well as being cricket engineered. So mm. we don't really know. All I can tell you is there is so much talent in this country that we should always be the top team. And just like, you know, I've, I've got into some development sort of things. I've done some research around what's going on. There is so much talent. It's crazy. But the administrators, the politicians, they all have their little two cents worth. And before you know it, it's just mismanagement and there's misdirection. And uh, I think it's it's in all facets. So there's a bit of a cancer within the system. Whether it can be eradicated, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think the next five years for SA Cricket is going to be particularly rocky. Uh, guys like AB will fall out. Guys like Stan will fall out. Uh, Rabada is the bright future. Uh, Teba Bavuma, I think, is also there's, – there's something special there. And there's something special around players like that. So my, my expectations aren't high. And I think a lot of it's got to be the fact that we need to look at a long-term captain. Uh, I think that needs to be sewn up straight away. So you just take as a given that AB's going to go, Amma's going to go, Stan's going to go. The thing is to me that there needs to be that captain needs to come in. I don't know if it's going to be shown in this series. I don't think it will be. Um, so very uncertain times, mm. indeed. Mm. Interesting. Well, it's comforting to know as a West Indies uh, follower, lover, if not... Yeah, supporter. Um, that uh, uh, it's it's not just the WICB that gets uh, criticism from within uh, cricket South yeah. Africa. There um, uh, under the microscope as well. I mean, it, it got quite a lot of publicity recently, Ben, when uh, government intervened and said uh, no bidding for for cricket tournaments and other sporting tournaments in the country. Well, look. At the end of the day, the, the IC three get the tournament, so it doesn't make a big difference to us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, there's a couple of things that are kind of worrying. If you look at um, age group level, you know, you you're getting getting white guys who aren't getting the chance to play. Uh, you know, like it, this is a long conversation. I said, mm-hmm. problem is though, you're getting a lot of guys, um, you know, from the, from the more representative populations, I suppose you could say. They're almost being forced into cricket. Uh, and I've been chatting to some guys at age group sports. They're saying. Look, a lot of the guys that are getting picked, they actually don't want to play, but they have to represent um, the quota and these kind of things. And they're almost being forced to. Mm. And that's and that's the side of the game which I'm trying to find out more about now because there's one thing about having a team that's representative of a population. There's another team are really forcing it to the point where the kids aren't even interested. And, and I'm really, really worried about that getting into something. It's a fascinating topic. I look forward to when you've done more research on that that uh, you can share that through whatever forums you do, but hopefully internationally and write about it, Ben, because I think there's a lot of people that that, uh, share your concerns uh, and uh, perhaps need to be a little bit more informed. Well, you know, it's not just Jimmy Savile and the rest that interfere with children. I think if if sports start doing it as well, in a sporting sense, it can never be a good thing, you know. <laughs> and on that, just, just leave, just leave the kids alone. <laughs> as as the Pink Floyd said, yeah. On that deliciously uh, PC note, Ben, I will uh, wrap it up there. We've done our thirty minutes. No, thank you ever so much for joining me. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, chatting, and uh, yeah, we drifted off into other areas. There's so many areas in cricket that uh, are of Always concern. Is. Yeah, no, and, and and I'm hoping that you and I can do this sometime again, whether it's South African related or whatever related. But uh, no, thank you. And before you go, can you please tell me and tell the listeners uh, where they can find you, where they can uh, chat with you, and, and read and hear more of your stuff. 
Yeah, so during the cricket, uh, at follow the bounce on Twitter, that's probably the best bet. Uh, my blog is thebounce.co.za. I write on there. I write for other places, but uh, I also work in radio primarily. So if you go into cliffcentral.com, you'll find my daily sport podcast where I talk about everything sport. Uh, I did a, like a daily 12 to 15 minute. And then every Monday, I've got a show on top of that. Um, yeah, I, I talk a lot about sport. So much so that I'm actually really socially reclusive nowadays. I sit at home in the evenings and I, I, I watch things in the travel channel about average people traveling to exotic places. <laughs> well, as one of those average people who's traveled a lot to exotic places, courtesy of my wife, um, um, yeah, perhaps I should uh, send you some of the uh, photos. Ben, thank you very much for... Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, this has been uh, an extra edition of The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast with me, David Oren. Uh, I'm going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks now. Red Pereira and myself both going on holiday. So uh, look out for us. We'll be back in a, a couple of weeks or so. Goodbye.